Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. A podcast looking back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. I'm Heather. And I'm Jonathan. And we are your co-hosts. This podcast is part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network. Hey friends, welcome back. So we've been going through this series kind of between the Testaments, right? So the the, the close of the Old Testament has happened, the, the prophets are done, um, you know, we've we've come into the, the Roman era now, and we enter the Gospels. Um, so we've been talking about the world, uh, just that, right? Between the Testaments, the world that Christ was born into, right? He, he enters this world where somehow there's a this Herod king, but then there's Caesar in Rome, and it's this odd world where it's partly Jewish and part Hellenistic and, you know, part mm-hmm. Roman and, and kind of what's going on here. So specifically, we've been talking about Herod the Great, or as I've yeah. uh, jokingly noted a few times, Herod the Not-So-Great, um, mm. because the guy was was pretty much a, a psychopath. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's so much death and murder and intrigue and suspicion and conspiracy in the man's life. It's It really is like a daytime drama. Um, so last time we talked about some of the, the building projects that Herod had undertaken. That was one of his favorite ways of gaining favor with the Jews. Um, mm-hmm. obviously building up the temple, you know, making their, their area around them, especially in, in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem, um, look more impressive. He's really big on that. And so, uh, today Heather's going to continue and talk a little bit more about, um, Herod the Great and kind of where he ends up. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Bit of a downer yeah. or not. I bit, mean, well- yeah. Sort of a, not really sort I mean, kind of sort of a downer, I guess, considering the way that his life ended. So essentially, I'm going to be talking about that, about the end of Herod's life. And so, you know, my husband, he has this fear of di- dying, being burned alive, because he thinks that would probably be the absolute worst way to die. But in my opinion, I think the absolute worst way to die would be that no one cares or that no one is sad that you're dying or not many people would notice that you're gone or maybe they would even be happy that you're gone. Like, I think that would have to be the absolute worst way to die because you have lived your life in such a way that has made it so repulsive to other people. So unloving to other people, so selfish that you are the refuse of life to them and therefore they would rather have you gone in here. I think that would be the worst way to die. And so that's actually kind of how things go for Herod because (laughs) that's what he does with his life. He's selfish. He lives in insecurity. He kills people for really no reason other than just fear and um, intimidation of them for the possibility that maybe they might overthrow his throne maybe they had a love potion that they poisoned, you know, like all these types of things that just, it just is so crazy because he becomes what he builds into his life is he becomes a wretched individual because that's what he sewed into his life. And so I want us, as we kind of reflect on the last uh, days of Herod's life in this episode is what about you? Uh, What about you? Is your life, sowing good fruit, sowing love and mercy? Is it sowing justice and peace? Is it sowing forgiveness and grace towards other people that people would say, yeah, that person was a loving, caring Christ follower? Or is it 
no, that person's kind of a, a tool. You know, they like to cause a lot of controversy. They're a Christian, but, right? Like, is that, would people say that about you? And man, that sometimes that thought keeps me up a little bit at night of like, man, I want to, I want to really live my life in a way that people would miss me if I was gone. And so Josephus writes extensively about Herod, uh, and he writes about Herod's last days in um, antiquities, uh, Jewish uh, antiquities of the Jews, excuse me. Um, but I found this interesting that um, shortly after uh, Herod the Great uh, institutes that whole, like, hey, execute those baby boys in Bethlehem two years uh, or younger, is when he starts to really decline. And um, it's almost as if God is like, hey, the true king of Bethlehem is here. The truth king of the Jews is here. And there's no more room for anyone else. I don't know. But so here's what here's what um, Josephus writes about Herod. He says this. He says, um, but the disease of Herod grew more severe. God inflicting punishment for his crimes for a slow fire burn in him, which was not so apparent to those who touched him, but augmented his internal distress, for he had a terrible disease for food, which it was not possible to resist. He was affected also with ulceration of the intestines and with especially severe pains in the colon, while a watery and transparent humor settled about his feet. He suffered also from a similar trouble in his abdomen, nay more, his privy member was putrefied and produced worms. He found also excessive difficulty in breathing, and it was particularly disagreeable because of the offensiveness of the odor and rapidity of respiration. He had convulsions also in every limb, which gave him uncontrollable strength. It was said indeed by those who possess the power of divination and wisdom to explain such events that God had inflicted this punishment upon the king on account of his great impiety. Can you... Yeah. Can you imagine that these diviners were like his, you know, WebMD or like Googling your symptoms? Like, let me type in all my symptoms. What comes up in Google yeah. is you have blasphemed God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you know, we, we, we laugh right. about Googling your symptoms today. You know, like never Google your symptoms. Right. You know, no, imagine you Herod typing yeah. all of this stuff in. That's just. Yeah. Sorry. It's just. It, it is awful. funny though, right? It, because he has so much disease and so much sickness that they ascribe that it has to be that he is blaspheming God, which I'm sure just made him angrier because he probably knew that was true, but he didn't repent, right? Or humble himself as far as we know. Yeah. yeah especially yeah. with that sort of attitude of, you know, that can't happen to me. I am great. Uh-huh. I am here you know? the great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have my own floor on my palace. Look at me now as I'm dying there, right? So, okay, so so <laughs> then uh, Josephus continues to write in the second volume of Antiquities of the Jews. He says, but he, although wrestling with such sufferings, nevertheless clung to life and hoped for safety and devised methods of cure. For instance, crossing over Jordan, he used the warm baths at Calahor, which flow into the lake Asphaletes, I think that's correct. Asphalite. Yeah. Okay. But are themselves sweet enough to drink. His physicians here thought they could warm his whole body again by means of heated oil. But when they had let him down into a tub filled with oil, his eyes became weak and turned up like the eyes of a dead person. 
But when his attendants raised an outcry, he recovered at the noise, but finally, despairing of a cure, he commanded about 50 drachmas to be distributed among the soldiers and great sums to be given to his generals and friends. And there, here's where it gets wild and wacky. I mean, you know you're going to die. You just about died in some hot oil. And so, because Herod knows that no one is going to rejoice at his death, he knows that people are going to, I'm sorry, that no one is going to mourn at his death, that they're actually going to rejoice at his death. Josephus writes this, he says, Then returning, he came to Jericho, where being seized with melancholy, he planned to commit an impious deed as if challenging death itself for collecting from every town the most illustrious men of all Judea. He commanded that they be shut up in the so-called Hippodrome. And then he ordered that all of them be slaughtered because this was his way of making sure that they would be mourning in Bethlehem during the time of his death. And so, you know, this is the thing, right? Is that if we don't deal with our insecurity and our fear and all of that, it doesn't get better. In fact, it only gets worse. So the fact that we would do such a thing because this is what Herod sowed into his life. He sowed selfishness and greed and vanity and it's all about me. And it got to the point where he was going to slaughter thousands, thousands, thousands of men for the sake of himself, right? And so thankfully, uh, Herod told his sister Salome and her husband Alexander about this. And after he died, they canceled the order. And so those men actually were not slaughtered. But the fact that he even wanted to do that shows the um, shows the the place in which um, he was at the time of his death and the place that he put himself in by his own decisions and the way that he lived his life. And so, again, my question is, what will be your legacy? I mean, Herod had great buildings. He had a lot of money. He had 10 wives and 14 children. Of course, he killed a few of them, right? He had a lot of stuff. The dude had stuff. He had power. He had influence, but he didn't love people. And that honestly became his greatest disease. And that's what really killed him first before all these other diseases was his lack of love, was his insecurity, his fear, his selfishness. And so as you think about your own life and how you love others, how you minister to others, how you invest in others, Is it going to produce fruit that when people watch you take your last few breaths on this earth, that they will mourn and be sad and say, wow, that person loved Jesus in such a way that I want to love Jesus. That's what I hope people say about me. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it it reminds me, uh, Dr. Michael Heiser passed away. Mm, Yeah, that's Um, Yeah. And there's, uh, there's long stories there. And uh, Heiser was one of the reasons that I ended up going to seminary. Uh, I never met him, but um, his finding an appreciation for his work was one of the things that took me from that mentality. When somebody said, Hey, I'm going to seminary. uh, I was one of those for a little while um, that would be like, why would you want to get a degree in indoctrination? Right. Why would you pay somebody for that? Which is very naive. Um, you know, especially in my, I guess, early twenties where it's like, Oh, well, I don't need them to tell me I have all the answers anyway. Right. Ooh, yes, man. Um, but you know, looking at, uh, some of the messages and memorials 
that people have written for Michael Heiser since his passing. You know, he's got a, a group that he had started on Facebook, um, the Divine Council, yeah. um, <clears throat> for a lot of his studies. And uh, and you can actually see I've got a lot of his books. Yeah, right here. for sure. Um, so <clears throat> there's been dozens and dozens of people writing in about the effect that he's had, about how important his work was to them and what that meant for them. People that said, look, I had completely walked like I couldn't believe my Bible anymore. None of it made wow. sense. You made it make, make sense. You know, I started mm. going to church again um, wow. because of what I learned and all this stuff. And just watching the impact that yeah. this man has had um, on so many people's lives uh, in the body. Mm. And even people that disagree with him um, would come out and say, you know, few people have not just the material that he produced, but the method he used um, has been greatly impactful. Um, Carmen Imes um, did a a brief dedication to him in one of her Torah Tuesday videos talking about how he was one of the ones that really encouraged her in doing public theology. Right. It's easy to be a scholar, write a book, publish it, and then just stay in your corner. And, you know, other than other scholars, nobody really challenges you. Right. It's much more difficult to start a podcast and to write all these Mm -hmm. posts and to do public speaking and to invite Q&A and like really be challenged by people. Um, But but he did that. And so, again, just Mm -hmm. watching the impacts that he has had uh, on so many people's lives for the kingdom, not because he built the most beautiful, expensive possible buildings, Sure. Right, but because he was faithful in the gift that he had, and he was faithful in living for and serving the kingdom. That's great, and that's that. that's that's something to I don't want to say be envious of, hmm. uh, but that's something to aspire to. Absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. how many people can you reach for the gospel? How many people can you can you disciple? Can you help, especially as you know, youth ministers? How many lives can can you touch for the kingdom so that by the time you're gone, you have these dozens of people that say, you know what, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this person um, being there for me and teaching right. me these things and guiding yeah. me in these ways. Like that's 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 world changing. Preach it, brother. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's the that's it right there. Is that what are you leaving behind? What do you want to leave behind? And Dr. Heiser encourages us to take your gift and to run with it and to not be in fear. I think that's one of the main hiccups of a lot of people is, and that's a hiccup in my life that I have to deal with a lot is not living in fear of other people's opinion or what they're going to say if I step out in faith and, and try a new thing or, or really get out there with my faith in some way, shape or form is to be who you are in the kingdom, be your weird, wacky self, your star Wars, loving star Trek, love and self who's sharing the gospel with geeks around the world, you know, <laughs> some Somebody has to. passion. That's right. That's right. And there's people like me who are in the sports world and, you know, are an influence for Jesus there. And, you know, and, and, and you and I who are doing this Jewish root stuff and, and trying to help people understand Jesus from his Jewish context, because if you divorce Jesus from his Jewish context, uh, I don't know what 80% of the Bible or more is not going to make any sense to you at all. It's going to feel irrelevant and dumb and pastime. And I don't get why God was this in the Old Testament and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, have you ever studied it from within its context and its culture? And, and right. So yeah. So friends, think about it. What do you want to leave behind? How do you want to live your life? And what needs to change about your life today in order to get yourself there? Because that was a question I asked myself about 10 years ago. And I really tried to do some hard work. 
to change the way that I, I remember one time a friend said to me, Heather, you're so focused on programs. You got to start focusing on people. And I was like, wait, what? And he was right. And um, so I've done hard work because it's not my first go-to. My first go-to is programs, programs, make good programs, not, oh, care about the people, love the people. But I think I'm starting to flip that script, which is really good. I'm glad for that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a happy medium, right? Sure. There's there's a, like you, you, you need to be able to be organized. You need to be able to have the program, Mm -hmm. um, but also being able to, to contextualize that and to keep it in focus that the reason that the program is there is the people. Right. Yeah. I mean, think of all the buildings that Herod made and think of all the people that didn't want to be there. It's like, I don't want to go there. I'm not going to Herodium. I ain't going to Masada. What if Herod's there? Right. Like I want people to say, Oh, Heather's going to be there. Oh, you know, she makes me feel special or whatever. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, friends, it's been another fun conversation about Herod the Great. And next week we are continuing the discussion on the different Herods in the Bible. Cause I hear this from people and I've even thought it before when, in my younger years, I was like, wait, is this the same Herod? <laughs> and there are different Herods in the Bible. It was a popular name that you people would have. So friends keep, keep coming back. We'll bring you some good content on Herod the Great and other Herods in the Bible. So thanks friends. We'll see you next time. Bye.